Hello and welcome to Dream It, Dare It, Do It, Live the Life You Want. I'm Jasmine, I'm your host. I'm the Inspiress, the Inspiress, and I am self-proclaimed, just so you guys know. And lately people have been looking at my name on Zoom and going, you are the Inspiress, and I think it's just so funny. Um, <laughs> so I just thought I'd introduce myself as such. And so today I am speaking with Susie Hewlett. You do say Hewlett, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm speaking with Susie. You guys know that I just go and follow whatever. And Susie and I met through Instagram. <laughs> and I was like, do you want to come? And she was like, yeah. And I didn't know why. And then we just had a quick chat right before. And uh, now I know why. But before I tell you why, I'm going to let Susie say hello. And let us, maybe the people who are listening, know who you are, where you're from. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great to meet you. Um, and the power of Instagram and the internet, hey, you know, yes. it's amazing. Um, so, yes, I'm Susie Ulis. I'm here in the UK, as you can probably tell from the accent. Um, I have been involved in this understanding or conversation for just over four years now. Um, and it impacted me in a very dramatic way before I'd even heard of the three principles or anything about the understanding. Um, and so since then, I've just been investigating and diving in, as I think so many people do when they come across the understanding, because to me, it just explains life and our experience. And I think it's very powerful. Um, so most recently, I've just become a certified change coach with Dr. Amy Johnson, which was absolutely brilliant. And I really enjoyed that. And um, I should really shout out Michael Neal because he was the first person I read or met or came across who had explained the three principles and I was blown away because it totally explained my experience of loss when my mum died. So um, that's me. So I'm really enjoying just being in the community, having just participated in the conference online. And I just think it's such an amazing thing to be a part of and I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I, I want to tell people, you know, who are listening that, you know, we talk a lot, everybody that I talk to, we talk a lot about the three principles. Um, now, the three principles, guys, is just, it's just an explanation of how life works. Now, there are many, many different avenues that you can pick that you can choose from some of them you know are complicated some of them are not some of them include you know body stuff you know like it whatever way you're looking for the truth with with it's not necessarily well it is the truth but let me say if if you're searching for something the three principles are the easiest or i'm not going to say the easiest i'm going to say the cleanest that i found that just made sense to me 
because I've looked at many things, you know, it all started with astrology. I think, I think the very first thing was astrology that I was looking at. And then I was looking at, um, psychics. I was like, the psychics will tell me what my problem is, you know? And I just went through a whole bunch of research to figure out really, you know, what was wrong with me and what could I do to, you know, fix myself. And the three principles just showed me that there was nothing to fix. You know, there's nothing to fix. You're fine the way you are. There are times that you get in your head and there are times that you get out of your head. Sometimes you just stay in the moment and live in flow. And I'm living in flow more and more for myself anyways. So I just wanted to put this little caveat in there. Like, what do you hear in that, Susie? Like, do you hear something in that? Yeah, I just think, you know, whether you call it the three principles or something else, it's kind of just, it explains our experience of life or how it come, how our experience comes to life. And it's just so simple. And it's kind of, well, I don't, it's spiritual in the fact that it's kind of invisible. So we don't always talk about it. People don't always talk about the invisible-ness behind life. But, you know, I think over 90% of what we see or all the universe is invisible. So only 4 or 5% of the known universe is visible, which is amazing to really contemplate. And so there's so much that is invisible and so much that's unknown. And sometimes people don't want to look in that direction because it scares them. But to me, the unknown is full of potential and exciting. And I just think, you know, I love Sid Banks' quote about um, if people understood not to be afraid of their experience, that alone would change the world. And I and I love the simplicity of all of Sid's words, really. And I think that's what the three principles offers, because it is so simple. But of course, it is pointing towards the truth of our existence or before our physical existence, almost. Um, and lots of other people, ancient mystics and poets have pointed in that direction. And probably all religions point in that direction of looking inward rather than outward. But yeah, I think the three principles or what or the understanding is just very simple. Yeah. Yeah. So, so guys, the reason why I've discovered that Susie and I are going to talk today <laughs> or we're meeting today is because I never heard of Susie. And then I said, you know, how did you come into this understanding? And then she shared that she had had an experience with taking care of her mother four years ago who passed away four years ago right and as you guys might know by listening to me <laughs> um i've had the same thing happen with me i took care of a mom and and as we're talking i tell her that my mom had dementia she says my mom had dementia <laughs> so Today, um, I know that it's a subject that people kind of go, 
oh no, you're not going to talk about dementia, <laughs> you know, because it's a heavy subject. But no, we're not going to talk about dementia. I don't think that's what we're going to talk about. I think we're going to talk about how, what we've seen. Well, I'm going to talk for myself and then Susie, you can say what mm -hmm. you, you're going to see. What I've seen around taking care of my mom who had dementia was one of the things that I saw that was major to me was how because her intellect didn't work the way that it was supposed to work anymore, I got to, I got to meet the essence. I got to meet the sweet, beautiful, charming, funny person that she was, that ball of love energy. Because all of the things that she had created that she was, she said, I'm shy. She said, I don't like people like this. She said, I don't like people like that. I don't like to do this. I don't like to do that. I don't like to eat this. I don't like to eat that. All of the things that she had created were just falling away. It was just like it wasn't there no more. And I didn't get stuck in my head saying, no, but you don't like this. You, you don't like this, mother. Why are you letting me do this? You just don't like it. And that gave me a space to say, it's okay. What do, what do you want to do now? It was just like such a beautiful flow. Hey, what do we want to do today? What do we, what, 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 what do you want now? Like, what about now? It was always like, what about now? I would look at her and I'd go, okay, she's there now. I can cry because she's going to die in I don't know how long. Or I can go, what about now? And that was like the most beautiful moment of my life. Yeah, I love that because you're effectively saying all her labels and construct, you know, constructed uh, constrainments and limitations fell away because she kind of forgot them. Yeah. 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 So for me, what I didn't mention to you when we chatted briefly was that my dad actually got dementia first. So mm. um, they were both early 70s, so quite young, really. Um, and it was actually nearly 13 years ago when my second son was born, my dad first got the diagnosis. And then three years later, my mum got the diagnosis, both of Alzheimer's, but they both presented incredibly differently. Um, and <laughs> so many things happened. I mean, I had two boys who were, well, two and a newborn initially, and then obviously over the last 13 years they've been growing up and becoming virtually teenagers um, and two parents with dementia and I had two businesses so it was a pretty full-on as you know juggling act which I think lots of people 
have to go through. Um, so it was interesting to have two people with Alzheimer's presenting in a very different way. Um, and I think that just points to the spectrum of dementia. There's just so much to it and so many different ways it can present. Um, but anyway, so about, yeah, it was four and a half years ago now, um, or just before that, I had a phone call. They ended up in a care home. I can tell you why that happened later. Um, but uh, I got a phone call from the care home to say that mum had fallen over and they thought she might have um, done something to her leg or hip. So she went to hospital. Sure enough, she'd broken her hip and she had a hip, a hip replacement. And when I went in to see her, when she first came round and saw me sitting by the bed, she was like, oh, my baby, it's lovely to see you. That's what she used to call me. Um, and then she'd drop off to sleep and then she'd wake up again and go, you don't care about me. And then drop off again. So it was awful because it was so up and down. You didn't know what you were going to get. Um, but they said she had a bit of delirium from the anaesthetic and the operation. But I do sometimes think, you know, I couldn't stay there with her the whole time. It was a very busy hospital. And there's a lady with dementia lying on a bed, not knowing where she is or what's going to happen and then being operated on. So that could have been quite upsetting. But luckily, with dementia, they forget <laughs> quite quickly what's going on in the more present. So um, that's kind of a blessing in a way. And I think there are things that are blessings with anything in life, even with that. And for me, the main thing was um, when mum came out of hospital, I was just desperate to get her back to the care home because dad was there. And, which is interesting because originally I was like, oh gosh, I'm not sure about the care home. It's not really like their home, of course, but they were happy and they were safe there. Um, so mum came back to the care home and I worked with the physios and she just wasn't going to walk. She just, she just couldn't, she didn't have it in her. So then she was in the bed and she became nonverbal eventually. And I, I remember speaking to the care home manager and saying, what can we do? You know, what can we do to make her walk again? You know, being all a doer and a fixer. And he said, I think you've got to prepare yourself. Which was a huge shock because in my mind, you know, our minds fill in the blanks and make things up and project into the future. Um, I'd assume that my dad would probably die first because he'd had it for longer and he seemed so much more severe or, you know, yeah. Um, so it was a real shock before the operation and then her not walking and then her being in the bed and not talking. Um, but what that showed me was that there was nothing I could do. Life was living us. Life does what it does. And we're just really there witnessing it almost. Um, and because I couldn't do anything, it was moment to moment. And it was beautiful and calm and full of love. Because we weren't talking particularly, I might speak to her a little bit, but she wasn't talking back. And I would just be with her, just spend time with her, maybe hold her hand. I took the laptop and did a bit of work there, but she knew I was there. And when the carers came in to do all their self-care, which they do all on, one, all on the bed, it's amazing how respectful and clever they are to manage all of that. And when I was there, they said she was so much calmer. So that just showed me that my presence was 
you know, all that was required and my love. And as you said, as you know, the power, I saw the power of my thoughts in that moment. I wouldn't have called it that, of course, then. But as you said, you can either sit there thinking, oh my goodness, I don't want to cope without my mom. My kids are too young, I'm too young, she's too young. This is wrong, it shouldn't be happening. Or, and then you'd feel kind of lack, sadness. Or I just felt this amazing sense of gratitude for the relationship that we'd had. And the fact that I was with her, we'd always done lots of stuff together. And I just felt immense gratitude and appreciation for her in that moment. And I'm not saying I wanted that to happen at all. Of course not. I would not choose that. But it just, I just felt my own resilience and calmness. And it, it was just, the room was just full of love, really. So, and so many of my friends, the reason I started writing a blog about this all was just because so many of my friends are in a similar kind of age group where they've got still dependent kids and then possibly dependent parents. So you're kind of the sandwich generation where you've got dependence either way and it's a juggle. And I just said to my friends, just enjoy. They're worried about the parents because they're aging. Like, just enjoy them whilst they're here. It's really important reminder to just be with what's here now. Uh, and I just think, yeah, so the more we can say that to people and the more that we can share with people that actually you don't know how it's going to be when they die. The experience that we've both had was that it was quite a beautiful, even though dementia is difficult to deal with, it was natural because I saw it as a, slowing down or winding down from life and so people can spend an awful lot of time in advance of something like that happening worrying about it and you're missing the now moment if you're worrying about what might happen in the future because you just don't know yeah i um i can see like i look at the different um see my my older brother he just couldn't be with like he lived in in i can't i can't do it i can't be around her he lived in that and he missed out and you know it's five years in he still talks about how you know he's still living with he's got the weight of that you know i'm only i'm i'm only wishing for him to accept that that's how things happen and we can move on and then learn from it and see, you know, see what you can learn. Yeah. My younger brother came in, uh, like the, the last month of her life, I was literally in burnout. Um, I, because I had decided that I was going to move. I, mm -hmm. I sold my house and I decided that I was going to go move with my parents so that I can be there. Because my father was now living alone in his house because my mom, I had moved my mom into my house because it was just like, I was, I would bring my mom with me. My mom would come to work with me. So I would go to work. I would bring mom. I would bring mom and the dog and we'd go to work together. My mom was with me all the time. She would sleep at her house, but I'd wake up. I'd go get her. We'd go to work, come back to the house and I'd go bring her to bed, you know, but in the past, 
once you've done that for like a year, it's a little bit like, okay, now I'm tired. Can so at one point I said, do you want to sleep over? And then it turned into, she stayed over. Mm-hmm. Now my father was always alone. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to sell the house. I'm going to go live with them. And so dad won't be alone. Mom will be in her things and, and things like that. But months went by. And by that time, she, her house was my house. Mm-hmm. But when, when we moved, she had a delirium. She went into delirium and she had night terrors. So when I moved into their, their house, she, I would like, I would put her to bed, right? I'd go to bed and I go, okay, mom, are you ready? We'd brush her hair, brush her teeth, wash her up, you know, put her to bed. And she, I, I, I lived in the basement. So she would wake up and then I'd run like screaming, screaming. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard my mom scream like that. Right. That was like, <gasps> Right. So I'd run upstairs. Plus I was weak. I had just, I had to move in three weeks. The people who bought the house, I should have known better, but I didn't, I I didn't know. I had no idea what this was going to do. So I was like totally tired. It was freezing outside. I think it was minus 75. It was really, really cold. I'm exaggerating, but it was really cold. (laughs) Um, And And so I would go up the stairs, go down the stairs, go up the stairs, go down the stairs. And at one point I tripped down the stairs and then I didn't break my ankle, but my ankle became super big. And then I decided that I was going to um, put her in a home. Most Mm -hmm. difficult thing. It was supposed to be two weeks, but I just couldn't handle it. My younger brother came in and while I was like trying to catch up, he was basically going at the hospital, going at the home, d- doing things with her. And so he got to experience her, but I can see the difference, you know, like the difference in how we both experienced her. And that's the thing, right? Like we, each, each of us, we have our own experience. Like I have my experience of you, you have your experience of me. It's like, it's just like two different things. So I, I, something I wanted to ask you, and this might be heady, but I want to see what, if you've seen this, in your experience, your parents both had dementia. Were they, I'm going to call it liars, but were they people that hid a lot of things that wouldn't say things? You mean pre-dementia? Yes. Um, I don't think so. I think we were quite open. Um, Yeah, I think my mum's mum didn't really let on. She got cancer and didn't really tell mum for ages and... Um, what, so mom and I kind of made a pact that we would be as open as we could be with each other. Um, so yeah, why I'm interested why you asked that. Well, I'm asking because my experience of my mother, she would say things to me, right? She would be open to me. But when she was in the world, there was a lot of things that she had to withhold she made up she had to withhold 
right? Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of stuff. And then she would lie about things like, you know, she would want to go buy a pair of pants. And this, I'm talking about superficial shit stuff. Um, I do swear. I forgot. I'm, I'm allowed to say shit. Uh, yes, it's fine. <laughs> uh, and it is my podcast. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so like she would lie about these little things. So she was like, I'm going to go buy a pair of pants and she would pay a hundred dollars for the pants. But then when dad would say, how much you pay for that? She would say 20 bucks, <laughs> you know, and that was just a little thing, but there was so many things like I feel like I feel like there was too much to hold <laughs> you know because it's like it's it it requires an effort it requires mm -hmm. us to be actively doing something in order to remember to not say this to this person because and it was like per person right so this person I said this this person I said that this person I said this I mean, I, for me, it was kind of like, mom, like, just say what you need to say. Like, I, like before pre-dimensia, that's what I was, I would coach her because I've been a coach for a while. So I would coach her. I'd be like, but you can't say that mother. No, no, no. He's going to be upset. I'm not going to say this. And then, and I could see how that had an impact on her. And that's why when I say all of the things that she had made up were like, crumbling and i got to see i got to see that right i got to see i got to feel it i got so like for me now i'm like no this is what i want this is what i'm this is you know i'm doing this that's it i'm, I'm doing my best not to withhold not to keep things not to just like say it hmm. right because for a long time, for me, it was all about, I can't say that, I can't say that. But in my early 30s, I started, like, I, I, I took this class, and in this class, people were talking, and they, they, I felt like they weren't saying the real stuff. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't saying anything, but it was a three-day class, and it was full days. So the first day of having this feeling of this is untrue, I didn't know back then. I was just like, there was something in me going, okay, can we just move? Like, why are we talking about this? Like, can we just move on? Like, it just, it felt stagnant, you know? Mm -hmm. It felt like nothing was moving. It was just like playing and shit, you know? Like, let me play in it, let me, it's just like, it didn't feel good. And at one point on day two, I think middle of the day, I just raised my hand and I just like blurted out everything that I thought was shit <laughs> and that I had been withholding and saying it and then feeling the balloon lose its air. Mm -hmm. And then feeling so much better. Yeah. And then everybody around going, can I yeah. say something about that? Yeah. And then all yeah. of a sudden, it became a real conversation. Brilliant. Yeah. You know, and 
and I took that on now. Like, like when I, I really, like I saw how just saying the truth, how no matter how ugly I may think is, mm -hmm. can make a major difference. Yeah. Right. So now I just try not to withhold stuff and just say it. And sometimes, yeah, I think I look like an idiot and, you know, but I can see the impact that truth has. Yeah, I love that. I just think if you've got an open heart and an open mind, your intention is coming from the right place. And I just think it strips away all the layers. I mean, your mom must have had loads of layers and layers and layers to be managing. And that's just so complicated, isn't it, yes. to live your life like that? She just sounds like she had an incredibly busy mind with all trying to remember who she's got to be when she's with various people. It's exhausting. Um, but one thing that my parents did do was they started hoarding. So in their house, there was piles and piles of stuff. And, and I wondered whether that's if you're feeling lost, you start accumulating things and keeping things because you feel something's missing. So when you started to ask about that, I thought that's what you meant initially. But yeah, but that was after the dementia was quite bad. And actually what happened was they, um, they were making some toast one evening and they managed to set the toaster on fire. Obviously, I can't ask them. I couldn't ask them how, what happened. Yeah. But thankfully, um, the I think it was the week before the carers were going in during the day and they'd written just a passing note in their file saying, um, we'd found an oven glove or a tea towel under the grill. The grill wasn't turned on though, so it's fine. I'm like, that's not fine. Something in me was just saying, you can't leave this, you can't leave this, you can't leave this. So after lots of phone calls and lots of trying to find the right people to speak to, I got this thing called a telecare system that you can fit in the house and it rings the fire brigade and emergency services if there's a detection of smoke. And that saved their lives because... I mean, obviously they're dead now, sadly, but they didn't die in a house fire, which would have been obviously horrendous. Um, and I just think, you know, that was that was wisdom coming from somewhere, making sure that I didn't leave that to chance. And it really did save their lives. And, um, you know, there was quite a bit of damage at the house. And then the fire brigade obviously came and they have to check through the whole house, including in the loft in case there's any embers anywhere and they said these people are hoarding you can't leave them living like this and I'm like I, I I don't want them to live like this I'm doing everything I can to help we've got carers coming in and we're with the social services and the mental health team but they kind of need you to get to crisis point before they can step in and do too much more because the system is so overloaded so then they were put into a residential care home for two weeks so that the house could be repaired and the damage sorted and then when I had my meeting with the nurse and the social services lady they said we think they should stay so I didn't even have that whole process of getting my head around them going to into a care home I guess we kind of knew it was coming at some point but it sort of happened automatically because it was meant to be temporary and then 
it just made sense for them to stay. Um, so that was, it, you know, there's a lot that goes on when you've got people with dementia and, you know, that was a pretty big situation because the neighbours, their neighbours called me and said, um, yeah, I think you better come down. Your mum and dad are okay. They're in our kitchen having a cup of tea, but there are, there's been a fire. So I drove down. I mean, I was literally a glass of wine about to start having my dinner with Mark. The kids had just gone to bed. Right, okay, put it down, off you go. It was quite late at night. It was all dark. And I arrived at their house and the road was closed. There were like four fire engines, three police cars, an ambulance. It was chaos. And the whole house was lit up with lights. By this point, the fire was out because they have to go through the whole house. So everything was lit up, the smoke billowing out. You're like, oh, my goodness, what's happened? Um, so it was pretty dramatic. Um, but what, so, so like people listening, like I, I, I don't want them to get caught up in the story. Because, sure. Because there's the story around it, you know, and we both have one. I think we both have a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I think we both have a good one, but like, I don't know about you, but when I was in it, a lot of people were like, but how can you do it? Like, what are you doing? Like, like, where does that come from? I remember, I remember I had a pool and we were, it was like between summer, uh, you know, winter, summer, like we were changing. So we were cleaning the pool because there was like, trees around so there was a lot of you know uh, um, leaves in the tree in the pool and uh, so I was cleaning the pool and my mom was there she was cleaning the pool right but she wasn't cleaning the pool but she was cleaning the pool so she I was letting her do what she did and my, I had a friend with me and we were cleaning the pool <laughs> You know, and she said, I don't know how you do it, but she would just do what she does. And you were just like, it's okay. Like everything was okay. There was nothing wrong around it. And I think that that's what enabled me to do it. Because the second that I said that there was something wrong here, that's when things became heavy. That's when things became unbearable. Mm -hmm. It was just like, it was just like, what about now? And it was kind of like, I was kind of like choosing my battles, if you'd say, you know, like, like she did weird stuff, you know, like she would, the toilet paper rolls, if there was this much left in the toilet paper rolls, she would take it and she would throw it in the back of the... <laughs> dish the washer the washer and dryer there was like there's always this little cap she would just throw it there right so we didn't know that this was going on until you know at one point I kind of saw her go there and I was like what did she just do and I went to see full of, of things there well my father like flipped a switch when he heard mm. this and I was just like okay let's pick them up yes. you know yeah yeah. So there's something to be said about, you know, what about now? Yeah. Did you have that, that feeling? Well, yeah, as I said, when, 
when mom was at the end of her life, I certainly had that feeling of what can I do now? Actually, not a lot other than be here. And mm. and now when I speak to clients um, and they are very caught up in their head, I'm just like, just stop. Just breathe. Slow down. Is there a problem right now in this moment? No. This moment is fine. It's perfect. And so I think at the time I put it down to acceptance of the situation. I accepted what was happening. So you, it brings you to the present moment and you can, you can cope. But now I would kind of call it more allowing, which is a more gentle way of looking at it in a way, because acceptance almost suggests that you're saying, okay, just I'll take it. I'll take it. It's a bit passive or yeah, you become a victim or something. Yeah, whereas allowing is just you are, life is going to do what life is going to do. I saw that so clearly. And the minute we start, you know, either saying it shouldn't be happening or trying to fight it, it's like trying to push a current of a river upstream or hold it back. And ultimately, it's going to flood. The, the banks are going to burst and it will find a way. So you know, if we're flowing with that river or just letting that flow, it's just calmer and more natural. And I think that is being in the moment, is just allowing the moment to be what it is. It is what it is. Anytime we're saying, what if this happens or that happened before, how am I going to overcome that? You know, if it's in the past, it's not in reality now. The future never comes. The only time we're ever allowed alive is in this very moment now. And I just think the more we see that, the more we can live with more peace and ease. And who doesn't want to live in more peace and ease, man? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Susie, I think this was a beautiful conversation. Yeah. It's so interesting that we have this in common as well. Yeah, I had no idea. And I was just really excited to chat to you. I think we know a few people in common. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? And I just think that shows you that you never know. And I just think it is what it is. Things are meant to be the way they are. And if you can just be okay with that, you can enjoy life more. Yeah, I think that living in the moment, and just not living in your head, you know, like, it, like I, I remember when I started the podcast, I wanted it to be a certain way, yeah. you know, because yeah. I got training, right? I've got, I, I've taken classes and I'm a businesswoman and, mm -hmm. you know, when you're in business, you're supposed to make money and you're supposed to have a plan and you're supposed to have all of this stuff, right? And, and when I would think about, oh, I'm going to have these conversations, I'd be like smiling, you know, like there would be this big smile showing up on my face. And then I'd, and then I'd start thinking, okay, and now I'm going to do this kind of ad and I'm going to do this kind of ad and I'm going to do this kind of ad and I'm going to go there and I'm going to do this. And, I'm, and then it was like, the more, <laughs> the more, see, it was like conversation. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all of the, all of the joy was yeah. being sucked out of it, right? Yeah. And and this doesn't mean that I'm never gonna do ads. 
This doesn't mean I'm never going to monetize it. This doesn't mean that at all. It just means that right now, that's not how it is. Right now, I'm having the time of my life having these conversations. I'm meeting fantastic people that, like, it really baffles me that, you know, we're having this. This is a deep conversation and we've never met before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just like, it baffles me. And I love that I can do that. And I love that you can do that. And I, like so many people can do that. Like I get yeah. the, the goosies just thinking about it. Yeah, I think that is one of the best things that I have learned through looking at this understanding is, you know, in the past, I would have turned up and had done lots of preparation about what we might talk about. How on earth can you prepare for a conversation? You've no idea where it's going to go. And I love the fact that with a coaching session or with something like this, you can turn up and just really be with the other person and see what comes up and, and have that open heart and open mind and just talk from that space. I just love that about this. And I think, you know, that's real human connection. That's kind of naturally how we like to be. So, of course, it's going to feel more pleasant and less heavy and less serious if we just turn up and have a conversation yeah so let's say people want to have a conversation with you how yeah. do they do it uh so my website is sychangecoach.com okay um and on instagram at the moment i'm still at suzy.bydesign and my blog is life-bydesign um, so lots of ways I kind of need to put it all into one thing, but I, you know, I wasn't going to worry about that before I started doing anything. So it'll all work itself out with, you know, however it's meant to be, but yeah. Well, you can just That's rename how. your Instagram. Exactly. Just I know. Rename it. I know. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, listen, thank you so much. It was fantastic. I love it. I love talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's lovely to meet you. Thanks. Everybody else, I'm going to say dream it, dare it, do it, live the life you want, and have a good one. See you next time. Bye.